phone call can change your life. A phone call could change your life. A phone call could be a blessing in disguise. Like a week ago, I was contacting a person that I know uh, who is an expert on something that is called orality, which is the ability to speak in public, but not only that, the ability to speak in public with stories, Uh, especially because 80% of the population of the world uh, is is oral people. You know, they prefer to speak more than to write or to read. So most of the people in the world are oral people including America, by the way. I, I was surprised that as I was just learning about that some, some years ago, that, that kind of shocked me that a culture like, you know, America and Canada and some parts of Europe, they prefer to speak than to write or read. And I want to ask you how many of you are like that. But this person that I call, her name is Laura, Laura Mazias is an, is, is an expert on that, on that particular field. And I was calling her because I wanted her to come to talk to our Nueva Vida people on Wednesdays, one of them. Uh, that will be Wednesday, the, the 16th of May. So she agreed, and it was a really nice conversation. We kind of come back to our friendship because even though we know that we're re- we are really close to one another now. She lives in Fullerton, and I live in Placentia, and I used to live in, 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 uh, in West Hills, and we, we, we have had those uh, conversations in the past, and now I'm inviting her to do this, and, uh, and so all was, all was okay. Everything was going fine, and, and we kind of update ourselves into our, our lives and all, and all that, and suddenly she say, well, I say basically, okay, thank you so much, you know, I Basically, I, wanna, I need to move into the next thing. And do you move into the next thing sometimes? Okay, I do that sometimes too. So, and she said, wait, 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 wait. And say, oh, okay. When you are talking to somebody over the phone and they tell you, wait, 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 you got to wait because something is in storage for you or for me. And she said, I would like to talk to you about somebody that I know. Okay, go ahead. That's Dr. Jorge Galor. And I said, okay, <laughs> I don't know this person. And he said, I think you, you, you should meet him. I said, okay. And I'm thinking, you know, there is my rela- relational piece, the relational piece of me uh, that like to get in touch with people. And there is this rational piece of me that is, that is thinking, well, you know, I really know a lot of people already, you know, and I need to do some other stuff. So you, sometimes you go like that, right? You need to do things and you want to know people. And sometimes it's a struggle for some people. Probably it's a struggle for you too. You know, what do I have to do? Should I do this instead of that? Whatever that might be, right? And um, I said, okay, tell me the reason why you want me to meet this person. I was, I was kind of bold and asked her. And she said, you know what? This person is a missionary in Europe. And Europe, even though you might think, and we, 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 all America think, she said, that they are fine and everything is okay there, because, you know, this, most of Europe is okay. Uh, but there is an incredible need of the gospel in Europe. And this, this person, uh, he lives in Spain, and I'd like you to meet him. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, I'm going to have to meet this person because the reason that she gave, gave me was more important than my 
uh, move on or move on into the next thing that I need to do? So I said yes. And so I met Dr. Uh, Jorge Galor. We'd like to use please to stand up. He's uh, come from Spain. Thank you for being here today. God bless you, uh, hermano. Gracias. Thank you. Uh, and um, it's fascinating because Dr. Galor also is from Bogota, Colombia, and I lived there for three years. And I'm like, when she said he's from Bogota, Colombia, I was more, even more interested now because it's somebody that comes from a place that I really appreciate. And then, okay, so she was trying to put her husband in between the conversation, and she was unable to do that because he also had to move to the next thing. Okay, whatever that might be. So uh, she ended up sending it to me to contact him. And I'm, I told you before, I'm going to tell you again. I hope you believe it this time. I kind of shy sometimes. <laughs> All right, whatever you want. <laughs> so I say, in my mind, I thought, no, why don't you contact us? Why would I have to reach out to him? That's my real me. That's not just, well, being a pastor is real too, but I'm talking about the deepest inside of a person, right? And so I kind of send the ball back to her, and she said, okay. So this time, Dr. Galore called me, and there is no way not to escape that conversation. So we have that, <laughs> we have to have that conversation, and we have this incredible conversation about what's going on. In, in, in Spain and in Europe and, and, and about what he's done and what he's, he's doing. He's been a missionary in Uzbekistan too for five years. So, and then I, we start talking about different kinds of things and then I, by any chance, you know Ovaldo, Ovaldo uh, Uches, which is a missionary from Venezuela to those, those places. And he said, of course. And I'm like, okay. So we're more connected than I, what I thought. Are you, with, are you still with me? So, and then I mentioned other names, and then I went to Facebook, and we became friends on Facebook, and I got to see all his friends, well, some of them, not all. I don't have time, I need to move to the next thing, right? <laughs> so, I saw some of his friends, and I happened to know those guys too. And I'm like, what? What is this? Well, that's nothing else and nothing more than the village. We're, welcome to the worldwide uh, worldwide village. There's a guy by the name of, I don't know if you know this guy, but he's certainly alive in, in his philosophy. His, his name is Epictetus. Epictetus lived 2,000 years ago, and he says that we are supposed to be citizens of the world. And here are many immigrants that they want to be citizens of the United States which is really good, by the way. But that guy, 2,000 years ago, was saying, hey, we're supposed to be citizens of the world. Can you say that, citizen of the world? That's what you are. So we live in this big village called Earth. I get it. If you compare that to the whole universe, we are a tiny little thingy. Tiny, right? But that's not the way I see it, because I'm not those guys who have those tools to see the whole universe. I only see my universe right here, and it's huge, isn't it? Right? So it's a big village. And I like to 
to have a conversation with you, with you this morning about never leave the village. Well, for one, because you can't, unless you, you want to live somewhere else in another planet. And if you have the technology to do so, go ahead and do it. But this is the village. And so Jesus also lived in a village. In a big village, by the way. And I'd like to read with you two passages of Luke. We are talking about Go, right? That's, that's our sermon series of the, of the month. Uh, and so the first text is Luke 2.40. Would you, would you like to read it with me? Okay, you want to stand up? Yeah, you can do that. For exercise, that will be good. And the child grew strong. He was filled with wisdom. On him. Two key words. He was what? Weak? Strong. And he was filled with stupidness? Wisdom. Wisdom and strong. And one more word. Grace was upon him. Not this grace, but grace. Okay, keep going. Next one. Then Luke 2.52. It's going to be easy today. Just two verses. <laughs> and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. So Jesus grew in wisdom. So you, he, go, he was given wisdom, but he also grew into it. Right? And he also became like Gary. Maybe he was as tall as Gary was, is. Right? And in what? What else? Favor, which is grace, uh, with who? God and with humanity. You may be seated. So, I said that already, but I'd like to say it. Next, next slide. The village is a big place. Now, if you go back to the whole story of Jesus, you will notice that he had a very nice village. First of all, his village starts with an angel. Isn't it cool to have an angel as part of our village? I get it. Some of you have a lot of angels because you are Anaheim Angels fans. I get that. But more than that, more than that isn't it really cool to know that there is one angel assigned to you to be proclaimed uh, or, or to, that you are going to be proclaimed uh, somebody who's going to be, uh, be born by the grace of God with a purpose. And that angel was named, his name was? Don't worry, this is not a test. But go ahead and say it. Gabriel. Gabriel, right? And so that's his name, Lucas, Luke, Lucas, Luke 2.22. Then Moses was part of his life because he grew up learning everything that Moses taught. So in a way, the memory of Moses, or Moses' memory and influence was part of his life. A, a good Jew boy or girl need to know and needed to know back then his Torah. The five first book of the Bible, Genesis, Leviticus, what else? Exodus, and Numbers, right? So you know that really well. Okay, so he knew that. That was part of his life. And then Joseph and Mary, his parents, and then Simeon or Simeon, who was a person who worked 
a PPC at the temple, right? And then you have Anna, which was, she was a volunteer who devoted her life to fasting and praying all the, every day and went to that temple. And she was part of his life too. And some relatives and friends, when he got lost, the Bible says that uh, Mary and Joseph, Joseph was looking for him among the relatives and friends. So, big village, by the way. And by the way, back then, they traveled together because it was safer and more fun. Okay, and then the temple teachers, remember when he's lost, he's found talking, sitting down, and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with those guys and asking questions and also responding. So he had that, and of course, he has, he had God. So his village was huge. Can you say huge? Like that. Big. Brothers and sisters, have you ever thought about your own village? Have you ever thought about how fortunate you are and you have been that you have had all of these people, not all of them, but some of those, those things over there, like maybe you have had an angel watching for you all your life. According to the Bible, according to Jesus, every child has, has a ch an angel that they see the face of God all the time. So maybe you have been assigned an angel and you don't know that. But you were a child, were you? Okay, so you had it. Did you lose it? I don't know. And then you have the influence of the Bible, not only Moses, but many, many others. And you have your father and your mother, maybe, like I did for quite a while, some of them, my mother at least. And then Simeon, which is people who influence your life, all your life. So you, you really, you did have your own village. You still have your village. All right? Or no? So the village, my friends, is really, really big. But you know what we do sometimes? We actually isolate ourselves. And sometimes we think that we are not that connected, that we are not part of that village, that somehow something has or has been preventing us from be, being part of that big village. But honestly, there is no way to leave the village, but mentally and emotionally and psychologically and even spiritually, you can't leave the village. Physically, no way, because you are in a huge village called planet Earth. But mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, you could detach yourself from the village. Actually, you could be next to people and not there, right? You probably can, can be listening to me and even looking at me, and maybe it seems that you're here, maybe you're not, right? Because we can leave the village mentally or emotionally anytime. Not physically. The second part of the village is that it's not only a big place, but the village, could you please give me the next slide? It's a place of nurturing. 
The village is meant to bless its children from their birth till their death. I, I, I think I mentioned this before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat it for you. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't understand why my parents and my uncles and my aunts and my father and my mother and my grandmother and everybody in between that was bigger than me insisted that I need to say every time that I wake up and I, and I saw the face of my mother or father or whoever, I have to say, please bless me. ¿Usted practicó eso, doctor? Jorge. Me too. Did I, what I say is, do you practice that too? So I, ha, I, I have to, and he didn't understand that. I was always curious, and I always have questions, by the way. So in my mind, what do I have to always say that? You know, and then, so I go out to school, blessing my mother, bless my father. Went back to school, from school, and again, I saw my mother, my father, or my grandmother, or whoever I had to say, bless me. So it's interesting, but that particular group of people, that culture, in particular, the west part of Venezuela, they understand that they live in a sense of blessing. But I couldn't understand that. For me, it was like, what do I have to say that now? And then actually, I was talking to one of my, ne my uh, nieces that went to Buenos Aires last week. And I, I say hello, you know, all that, that you have to say when you're talking to your family members. And, and I'm expecting her to say, Uncle, bless me. And she's not, she's not saying anything. And I'm like, hey, uh, I think it was Melanie. This is, they are twins, so Pamela, Pamela and Melanie. I say, Pamela or Melanie, whichever. I say, is there anything that is missing here? And she say, not that I know of. And I'm like, okay. Oh, I got it. Tio, bless me. I'm like, okay. And she say, we're not practicing, practicing that too much in Caracas now. I say, oh, my gosh. That's not a good choice. Because you know what? We really need to be blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? So we need to be blessed. And you know what? We should be part of a village that will bless us from since we are born until we pass away. Every single day of our life. So... First of all, if you notice the angel, if you know the story, the angel brought blessings to the parents and the child. The angel came to Mary saying, you are blessed. You are blessed among women. Remember, Mary? And then the child will be this and this and that and prophesy and say everything that is going to happen to this child, Jesus. And then also John, his cousin, okay? And then also Simeon, when he saw the child, the Bible said that he grabbed the child and said, Lord, I am more than blessed now. You can take me home if you want because I have the desire of my heart fulfilled, which is to see your salvation. Immediately, he's recognizing in this baby salvation. I wonder, what do you see when you see a baby that is born? Well, you probably see a lot of pampers to be changed, a lot of food to prepare, and a lot of prote protection to be given to this particular child. But also, I, I hope you can see that this little kid that was just born might be an incredible blessing to this humanity. Right? Okay. And Anna also saw the kid, and the Bible says that she started talking to every single person that she knew and saying, hey, this baby is an incredible baby. She started talking to anybody that she met about Jesus. Why? 
because she knew that the best way to raise a child is to bless them. It's to bless them. And then so the village is a place where you are supposed to be nurtured. Instead of your family members telling you how stupid you are, they're supposed to tell you how beautiful, wonderful, smart, intelligent you are. Do you agree with me, Joy? That that's supposed to be our job as parents? To bless our children, our grandchildren, our family members. They're supposed to be hearing from us, you are a blessing. Well, some people are thinking right here, how about if that guy is uh, somebody that is difficult? Right? Well, let me tell you, I was difficult. And I'm glad that my, my family loved me and blessed me all the way through up to today. <laughs> okay? So there are difficult children, you know? But those difficult children might be the child, grown up, that might be preaching before you today. You get me? Next one, the village is a place where greatness is welcome. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this, because I really like that word. Uh, so the village is a, play, it's a big place. The village is a place of, of nurturing, and also the village is a place where greatness is welcome. If you notice what was, taught, what was said about John the Baptist, everything that the, the, the prophet said about him and the angel, I mean, everything that, that was said about him was he was going to be a big deal. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Remember that? Everything was great for John. And Jesus, and if you notice, the first person in the Bible, like, let's see, if, like, now I'm going to test you a little bit here, okay? Okay, tell the other person next to you, get ready because it's for you, okay? Here's the test. What is the first person in a scripture that the Bible says something like Jesus, that he grew and became strong and the Lord was with him? Who's this guy? I'm sorry? John, that's in the New Testament, Old Testament. Isaiah, close. Huh? Samuel, the Bible said that the Lord was with him, but that's a little bit closer. Who? That, yeah, the Bible said that the Lord was with him too, but that's a little bit even closer than him. I tell you, the, 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 it's, in, it's in the book of Genesis. No, he was a big guy already. His name is Ishmael. Yeah, a rejected child. A bad boy. And the Bible says that the guy grew and became fierce. And the, and the Bible says too that the Lord was with him. So the first person in the Bible that is told that the Lord was with him and the Lord was blessing even when he was fierce. Nobody can stand up to that guy. He was very strong. Well, you have to be if you're going to be in the desert, 
growing up in the desert, you're going to fight with, with serpents and with so many bad things out there. So you've got to be fierce <laughs> somehow. Okay? But the Bible said that the Lord was with him. So Simon or Simeon knew that and proclaimed Jesus. And Anna shared Jesus with other people. I already said that, but I like to say this about the teachers that we normally criticize. Remember, we criticize those guys, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those guys that were bad to Jesus. They used to be good to Jesus. They liked him as a child. He was so cute, you know. They didn't like him as a prophet, as a rabbi, as an evangelist, as an apostle, as the great Messiah. That he was, they couldn't like him because he was too much sometimes. So here, the teachers realized Jesus' brightness and created space for him. They probably have to have a special class for Jesus. And they had him three days in the street. I don't know what they do. They, they also have another thing to move on into, but they stop all the calendar, all the, the, the appointments, and they spend time with Jesus with his questions and his answers. They create a space for Jesus Christ. For a little kid, of, for a teenager, basically, 12 years old, teenager. To be honest with you, the difficult kid that I, sometimes I was, I wasn't in drugs or stuff like that, but I, I made some decisions in the past when I was a kid that were not really pretty. But the beautiful thing of the village that I grew up into was that even a pastor that I knew that I was an unbeliever, he treated me like a, like a believer. He even invited me to paint the house, his house with him. I don't know why he thought that, that I knew that, but he invited me and paid me too, that's good. Really cool. He treated me like a real Christian. And I was an unbeliever. 12 years old. And I asked questions, and he, I don't remember his answer, but I do remember him. And I remember when I was 17, five years later, I was preaching in, a, in, a, in, a, in the streets in Caracas with the Americans, by the way, that used to send a lot of teams down there. And I was helping them. I was a youth pastor. So we were working on the streets. And suddenly I saw this pastor coming. I remember his face immediately. And he's like, he was beyond himself, looking at the guy, the unbeliever guy. He's treated like a kid. Now he's preaching. By the way, I wasn't a demon. I wasn't a demon. But I, like any kid, I was, we say in Espanol, travieso. See, if you want to know that, that word, go to Google and search travieso. Now, seriously, I was, you know, I was very active. Shy, but active. <laughs> so, but see, somebody created a space for me. All my life, I have been able to move forward for three reasons. You want to know the three reasons? Okay, I will tell you that with a no cost. <laughs> Number one, because of the grace of God upon my life. Number two, because I, will, I have been supported all my life. And supporting me has half, or he, yeah, half included, or has included, challenging me too. Are you with me? Not always, hey, you're a nice kid. No, no. Sometimes, hey, what's going on with you? <laughs> right? So I have been supported all my life. I have had a lot of support. And you know why? You're part of this village. 
I feel great when I'm in front of you or next to you or walking with you because you're an incredible village. Hello. <laughs> say something. Just say yes or no. Yes, you are an incredible village. It feels great to be a pastor right here, to be honest with you. Do you believe that? But you look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, going back to the point, right? And the third, the third reason why I keep moving into the next thing, right? Moving forward is because I have believed what others have believed about myself. So God believed in me. My village believed in me. I have two choices. I deny what they think or I accept it. And early on, I accept it because I really like when people believe in me. Do you like when people believe in you? Yes. That doesn't convince me. <laughs> Come on, brother. You're stronger than that. Are you okay today? No. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, do you like when people take you seriously? When they see brightness in you. Well, that's okay. That's exactly how God made us. He made us as his image. That means yeah, you are great. Mark Twain. You know Mark Twain or Mark Twain? You know him? I don't know him. He's already passed, right? Okay, he said, great people are those who make you feel that you can become great people too. Great people are those who believe that you or me or whoever can become great people too. And that's exactly what the Bible says. The gospel is all about lifting up people and putting them on high. Why? Because God knows how lonely sometimes we go. God knows sometimes that we are blaming ourselves like crazy. God knows that we are guilty in many ways, and we are not only guilty, that we are guilty of being guilty too. You get me? We are guilty of being guilty. Um, Lenk and Tim and other people here, including Marilyn, who gave us a, 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 a confession of sins last Sunday, is telling us all the time, you are forgiven, and yet guilt is sprang in our lives. Brothers and sisters, we really and truly have been forgiven. And if we are forgiven, it means that we really are great. Not great because we are in competition with other people, because this world defines greatness based in competition. Like I'm better than whoever, right? But no, the Bible doesn't define greatness in, in competition, uh, that's not the setting for, for the Bible greatness. The, the greatness in the Bible is that God's, the God gives you the ability to be a human being, a real human being, and a real you. So he brings you back to be a real human. So greatness is behaving as who you are. Not in comparison to anybody else. God made you, and the Bible says that when he made you, he was in. He was thrilled. Is that a good word, Joera? Because you smile at that. He was thrilled. That, wow, he said, look at Joera. She's going to be an incredible, joyful person. He was 
thrill. And I want to tell you, when you were born, the Lord was thrilled. I don't know why so many uh, serious faces here today. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to change the sermon then. I'm going to tell you that you're bad. <laughs> then, then you're going to be it's, 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 uh, smiling. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has made us a new creation. As a new creation, what was bad and ugly became beautiful and precious. If, one, if in the past you thought somehow that you were bad and ugly, or somebody told you that you were so, let me tell you, whatever they say is in the past. Whatever is in the present is that you are beautiful no matter what they say. Remember the song? I went to the movies with my wife yesterday, and I, I was tempted to watch a movie that she didn't want to watch. So I gave up, right? As a good husband, she'll do it sometimes. So, so instead, we went to watch the other movie. And I don't remember the name because actually it's no English, the term, and it's a very long term of the movie. It's all about Ted Kennedy. Ted, you know Ted Kennedy, right? I don't know him, but you do. Okay. Yeah, Ted Kennedy, the senator, right? Senator. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, but I remember looking at this other movie, and the title of the movie is I Feel Pretty. Ha. And when you look at her, she's pretty. She's not astounding. I get that. But she's pretty. But when you go into the narrative, I, I didn't watch it, by the way. But the thing is, you don't have to feel pretty. You are pretty, my friends. Because feelings are really tricky. Sometimes they will make you feel good, and sometimes they will make you feel really bad. So feelings are tricky. You don't have to feel pretty. You are a beautiful creation. Right? Okay. Here's the last story, and we're gone. We're gone today, okay? Moving to the next thing. Right? So, and I'm going to read it for you so you don't, have, you don't worry about the time, okay? It comes from a book called Dreams Are Whispers from the Soul, Marcia Wither, Wither. Look at this. It says, I'm going to remove my glasses. Tommy puts glasses. I, I have to remove it. I was speaking at a church near Portland, Oregon, when I met Wilson, not Tobin, but Wilson, a bright-eyed 18 years old, he confided in me that he was a Maasai fighter from Kenya, Africa. And this was this first, his first time away from his tribe. I asked what he was doing in Oregon, and he told me this story. When I was young, I became ill, and my mother took me to the medical clinic. From that day forward, my dream was to become a doctor. But it was impossible since there was no training available, and no one left the tribe. I just, it just wasn't done. As I grew up, I shared my dream with anyone who would listen. Everyone, including my family, my own family, told me it was a fantasy and to forget about it, but I never did. Recently, a writer came from your country to visit my tribe. 
He interviewed me and published my story. Perhaps you know the paper, the Washington Post, and Marcia smiled. He continued, a couple from Portland read my story, and within a matter of weeks, I was invited to apply for an undergraduate work at the University of Oregon. A few months later, I was accepted, and I took a deep breath and said, that's extraordinary, you might have been so happy. His response shocked me. Actually, it was extremely painful. My family didn't have the money or any other resources to send me off to America on what they considered to be a whim. I knew there was only one thing to do. I pray for a miracle like my brother did. And I broke my glasses, by the way. Um, so he paused, and that's exactly what I got. Four families each came forward to generously extend their hearts and hands. Each agreed to house me, to feed me, to buy books for me, and to be my family when I was so far from home. I swallowed, she said, hard as my eyes well up, but what he said rocked my world. After hearing you speak so passionately, the, the Maasai uh, fighter is, is talking now, after hearing you speaking so passionately about dreams, I, I now know what I must do. I must become a doctor, of course. That is my dream. Then I must return to my village as an example that no dream is impossible. And the extraordinary things that happen when we gather together as a tribe. You like it? So, do you believe that your, your tribe, your church, your family, your society, your country is an extraordinary place? Oh, I need to use my glasses for you to respond? Okay, I'll do this. <laughs> is it? If it is, it's time to, to do three things, to, to establish three practices. Number one, gratitude. Have you ever stopped and thanked people in your village for the way they have positively influenced your life? Number two, awareness. Are you intentionally connected with your village or just going through the motions? And three, proactiveness. Are you aware and intentionally committed to positively influencing other villagers' lives? Brothers and sisters, you will never know the power of influence until you recognize that you are who you are because somebody else influenced your life positively. And I get it. Some people also influence our lives in a very negative way. But that fades away when we are focused. Focused into the big village that we belong to. Actually, actually, we are citizens, not only of the world, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Which is a bigger village, by the way. So, why don't we stand up right now and pray with me. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for the amazing village into which you had given us the opportunity to be part of. Lord, forgive us because sometimes we are not grateful and thankful enough to go back to grandparents, to parents, to aunts and uncles, to professors, to teachers, to people, even to police officers that have given us a ticket, or to anybody to be grateful for and say, hey, thank you for being a positive influence in my village. Forgive us sometimes we are, if we are, sometimes we are just going through the motions and help us to be more proactive and be engaged and recognize that we also are mentors and coaches and tutors and, and examples of our fellow villagers that need our presence and our love and encouragement and our, our exhortation and consideration and respect and love and dignity. Thank you for the privilege of being part of Placentia Presbyterian Church during these years. And whatever you have for us in the future, the most important thing is know how many days, how many months, how many years do we have together is what are we doing with it. So please help us. And I pray for our brothers and sisters today who are raising children or grandchildren or, are, or happen to be people who deal with children or teenagers, will you make us more aware that they are begging for us to be that kind of person that will positively influence their lives. We pray, Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.